When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Hello, I'm John Barber. Welcome to Reimagined Radio a program of sound-based storytelling. Named for Janus, the Roman god of beginnings and endings, January is noted for New Year's Eve, a holiday with a unique opportunity to reflect and celebrate both the previous and upcoming years. Following this focus, this January episode of Reimagined Radio samples from The Whistler and Guy Lombardo. Both take place on New Year's Eve. First up is The First Year, an episode of The Whistler, first broadcast December 31, 1947. The Whistler was a very popular American radio mystery anthology, and its whistled theme was known to millions. Each episode focused on criminal acts and their surprise undoing, narrated by the unnamed and omnipresent Whistler, who often commented directly on the action like a Greek chorus. In the first year, a rich uncle tries to teach his niece the true value of matrimony by changing his will to require her and her husband to stay married for 10 years before they inherit. If one dies, the other inherits everything. The story begins and ends on New Year's Eve of the first year of their marriage. is your signal for the Whistler. I am the Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. And now, The Whistler's strange story, The First Year. The story of Lydia Winters falls naturally into two parts, separated by exactly one year, almost to the minute. Her marriage to Elliot Larkin ended, of course, on New Year's Eve, somewhere around midnight at a place called Silver Lake Lodge. The circumstances surrounding its ending are a matter of record now in the files of the police department, Homicide Division. The beginning is another story, a personal one. Just a year before, early on New Year's morning, Lydia Winters had stood at the door of her uncle's apartment with Elliot, listening to the whistles ushering in the new year. 
Frank. Huh? Listen. <laughs> well, it's official now. A brand new year. Brand new life. Mm. i better go in now, Elliot. Look, Lydia, let's go together. You can speak your piece now. Back I've your already office. told you I want to talk to Uncle Philip alone, darling. Oh, but why waste New Year's Eve? Good Lord, woman, it'll only take a minute to I tell you, I love you, dear, and I'm going to marry you. <laughs> but you might as well learn right now when I make up my mind, I mean it. As uh, so Marty tells me. Poor Marty. Yeah, poor Marty. Looked like you hit him with a pole axe when you told him tonight. He'll get over it. They all do. I wonder if we will. Maybe. But it'll be fun while it lasts. Lydia, why are you marrying me? Oh, you dance well. You're good looking. You have charm of a sort. And of course... Uh, my money. <laughs> Your money. <laughs> I'm tired of depending on Uncle Philip. Ah, you're a worldly woman. But very practical. Kiss me, darling. Good night, Elliot. I'll pick you up tomorrow at noon. Mm -hmm. We can be married in Greenville and run up to Silver Lake Lodge for a couple of weeks, huh? You're so capable, darling. All figured out for me. Yeah, except Uncle Philip. Just leave Uncle Philip to me, dear. Good night. Good night. Happy New Year. <laughs> You old darling, waiting up for me? There's a very good reason, Lydia. I want to talk to you, seriously for once. Oh, and I know just what it's about. You don't approve of Elliot, do you, dear? You think he's a fortune hunter, irresponsible, unworthy of me. And I'm so hard, thoughtless, ungullible. You through? Yes. Good. Then please understand this. If I have any concern about Elliot Larkin, it's on his account and not yours. Is that so? Exactly. In the proper hands, he might, just might understand you, grow up into a decent human being. With you, he hasn't a chance. Now, wait a minute. If you think you can well, tell let me... let me finish. That's beside the point anyway. You're just like your mother was, Lydia. The same selfishness, the same abysmal ignorance of the true meaning of marriage. You're not in love with this man. He's not in love with you. You're pretty sure of yourself, aren't you? Of course I'm sure. I will not approve your marriage to Elliot Larkin or any other man until you indicate some small understanding of what the word means. Until you're able to look upon it as a sacred contract instead of an adventure. I see. Now, I'd be grateful if you'd step off the soapbox while I tell you something. I don't care what you think. Listen to me, Lydia. I'm through listening to you. I'm of age, Uncle Philip. Tomorrow afternoon, I'm marrying Elliot, whether you approve or not. I don't care about you or your money or anything else. It's my life, and I intend to live it as I please. I'm leaving at noon tomorrow, Uncle Philip, and there's nothing you can do about it. Hmm. Nothing I can do about it, eh? Yeah. Hmm. Hello? Ballinger? Yes? Phil Ridgely. I uh, hate to get you up, old man. Oh, not at all. Two years, you know. We're having a little party. I want to see you right away, Ballinger, about my will. Oh. How about tomorrow morning? I said right away. Now. Good Lord, Phil. You can't do a thing like this now. Why not? Why, it's... it's vicious. If there was any chance for a success of, of Lydia's marriage, it's destroyed by this... this thing. You can't play with people's lives as if they were puppets. It's my money, Ballinger. I can do with it what I please. Now get this again. The new will is to provide that if Lydia and Elliot Larkin live together as man and wife 
Under the same roof, for a period of ten years, they are to receive the principal legacy of $500,000 jointly, or half to each other as they may choose. That failing, it goes to the children's relief fund. Got that? That's clear enough. Now, if at any time during those ten years, either one of them die by any means, the entire sum is payable to the survivor immediately. Look here, Philip. I realize I'm in no position to question your moral code. But this thing is fiendish. Why, it'll set them at each other's throats. Perhaps it will, Ballinger. Perhaps it will. It's a sort of a test, you know. If I'm right, if the marriage means nothing to either of them, it will destroy them. On the other hand, if I'm wrong, it will be a real reward. Yes, but don't you see? It's not a will, Philip. It's a weapon. Maybe. I know I won't live to see it work out. But you'll see it, Ballinger. You're to acquaint them with the provisions the moment I die. There's a comfortable retainer in there for you to see it's followed to the letter. <laughs> you know, I envy you, Ballinger. It should prove very interesting. <laughs> with Elliot Larkin, when suddenly, impetuously, you decided that here was the answer to Uncle Philip's tyranny, an avenue to freedom. And it's worked out fairly well, hasn't it? It's not a storybook marriage, of course, but you didn't expect that. Still, Elliot is fairly presentable, reasonable, and charming, and you're sure he's wealthy enough to keep you well-dressed and entertained. And until something better comes along, you're content. It was an evening in October that changed all that. The two of you had just arrived home from a football game. Old Johnny Gates, can you imagine running into him that way? <laughs> I felt like a lost sheep with the two of you huddled together all Well, I, I haven't seen him since college. Oh, here, let me take your coat. Uh -huh. There. It was a lucky break running into him that way, you know? Where's the cigarette? Oh, a minute. Oh, here you are. Catch. Thanks. What do you mean, lucky break? You didn't pay any attention to the game. Well, he's leaving his job. He's going to the Orient. Oh? Yeah, he represents some cordial outfit, liqueurs, mm. that sort of thing, you know. Well, I mean, that's the job he's leaving, and it's a pretty good job. What's that got to do with you? He says he'll recommend me to replace him if I want it. You mean you're going to work? Well, why not? I can't be a playboy all my life. You know. <laughs> <What>? Elliot! Elliot, <laughs> darling, what in the world got into your head? What's so funny, huh? Elliot, <laughs> you working? Oh. Yeah, well, you better answer the phone. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> Hello? Mrs. Larkin? Yes? This is uh, Mr. Ballinger, your uncle's lawyer. I'm not at home to my uncle, Mr. Ballinger. You can tell him Just to... a minute, Mrs. Larkin. I'm calling to tell you that your uncle passed away this afternoon. I see. It's my duty as his executor to read to you the terms of his will. Who is it, honey? Uh, just a minute, please. Uncle Philip's dead. Something about the will. Oh, well, let me talk to him. I'll handle it. Mr. Ballinger, perhaps you don't quite understand my relationship with Uncle Philip. Wait a minute. Elliot. Give me that phone now. I think you're doing. I might knock some sense into your head, Angel. You may as well know it now. We're broke. We're what? Oh, as close to it as you can get without selling the furniture. That's why I took Johnny up on the job. Hello? You, you had Hello. money. A lot of it just... Never mind not. that now. You just tell Mr. Ballinger. We'll be glad to talk to him. You hear? Go on. Take the phone. Uh, hello? Uh, hello, Mr. Ballinger? Yes? 
it'll be over right away. How'd it taste, dear? What? Humble pie. I'm not in the mood for that sort of thing, Elliot. Why didn't you tell me you were broke? You didn't ask. You just went along with what everyone believed about the lock and You think that was fair to me? Well, it works two ways, Angel. After all, I was under the impression your Uncle Philip's worldly goods were practically in your pocket. I see. Well, I guess I'd better make this clear, Elliot. I don't love you. I never did. Oh, now, take it easy. And bright and early tomorrow morning, I'm leaving this house and I'm not coming back. Really? Well, I'm going to miss you terribly. Where are you going? Does it matter very much? No. Not really. Tomorrow's up to you, Lydia. Tonight, on the other hand... I'll see Mr. Ballinger alone. Uh-uh. We're going together, darling. Somehow I'm just a little curious about your uncle's will. You... You mean this thing forces us to love each other? More or less. That is, if you want the money. You will live together under the same roof for ten years. Yes, I heard it the first time, Ballinger. Now, are you sure it'll hold up under probate? It's quite legal, if that's what you mean. Naturally. You didn't know Uncle Philip very well, Elliot. Most efficient man in the world. Well, well, that, that's it. If there are any questions of you... No. No, it's all very clear. Well, come on, Elliot. Well, then, uh, good night. Good night, Larkin. Good night. <laughs> Amusement, Elliot, or the beginning of a story? <laughs> a little of each, I suppose. You know, you must admit the old boy had a sense of humor. Must I? Ten years, nine to go. Well, I guess there was a time when I'd be willing to do anything for a half million dollars. Right now, I don't know. It won't make any real difference, Elliot. I want that money. You live your life, I'll live mine. No questions, no answers. Except for the watchdog. Ballinger? Yes, we can handle him. I suppose it's worth a try. All right, dear, what's the first move? Your friend, Johnny Gates. Johnny? You'll need that job now. You have a wife and home to support. Remember? At that moment, you're forced to admit something to yourself, aren't you, Lydia? That Uncle Philip was right. That your marriage to Elliot Larkin is a farce. A hollow, mocking thing that was never meant to be. And there's something else, Lydia. The strange will. As the weeks pass, you know it for what it really is. An instrument of torture. A weapon striking back at you from the grave. Yes, Uncle Philip might as well be alive and laughing at you. Telling you that you can't win. But through it all, you're determined that somehow, some way... You'll defeat Philip on his own ground. Then on New Year's Eve, the night marking your first year together, Elliot calls you at the apartment. Yeah? Lydia, I thought you might be interested. I've got that job. Johnny? Yeah, he's giving it up, leaving right away. Oh, nice. Tonight I can drink champagne that's paid for. Oh, oh, about that. I won't be able to make dinner until later. I'm helping Johnny celebrate. Oh, don't worry about that. I meant to tell you we can skip the dinner plan. I'm meeting Marty Bell at the Zebra Club. Marty Bell, huh? Well, true love never dies. Good old Marty. Don't tell me you object, darling. I'll see you tomorrow, Elliot. You'll see me tonight if you insist on going there with Belle. I'll come down to the zebra club. And what? Don't play the jealous husband, Elliot. That's really overdoing it. Goodbye. Lydia! Lydia! Lydia, I love you. Does anyone really mean that? I want you to go away with me, Lydia. Leave Elliot. Please, Marty. Trying to break up the perfectly matched, adoring Larkin. It isn't breaking anything up, and you know it. You're not fooling me, Lydia. Stop it, Marty. You don't care a hang for Elliot. I said stop it. 
someone coming over to our table, an old friend. Really? I don't see anyone Mr. who... Mr. Ballinger, what an unexpected surprise. Yes, I dare say. I'd like you to meet Marty Bell, an old friend of Elliot's. Oh. Marty, Mr. Ballinger. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Marty's Ballinger? keeping me company while I wait for Elliot, but he has an appointment. Maybe you'd sit in for a while, Mr. Ballinger. Hmm? Glad to, but... Then uh... Marty won't have to waste any more time. I'm not wasting time, Liddy. all right, uh... you've been a dear, Marty. I'll tell Elliot now. Run along. Nice to meet you, Bill. Uh, yeah, same here. Well, goodbye, Lydia. Bye, Marty, and thanks so much. He's such a dear. Lydia, I've been intending to bring this up for some time. I, uh, I've been disturbed about things that I've been hearing. Things? What things? About you and Elliot. Oh? You know, when there's any sign of trouble between you, you're on dangerous ground. Why, Mr. Ballinger, I don't know what you're talking about. We're getting along beautifully. Where is Elliot, Lydia? It's New Year's Eve. You two should be together. Well, of course we should, but the night's only beginning, Mr. Ballinger. Why, I talked to Elliot only a little while ago. He's going to be here. Do you mind if I wait? <sighs> I know. I'd appreciate it if you would. He... Wait, there he is now. He just came in. Uh, would you excuse me a minute? I'll tell him where we are. Uh, uh, excuse me? Well, sure it is. Would you let me through, please? Oh, sure. I'm sorry, lady. Uh, pardon me, please. Uh, Elliot! Elliot! Oh, there you are. Where's Marty? I want to talk to him. He's not here, Elliot. Come over to the table with me. They ran out, huh? I sent him away. Ballinger's here. Ballinger? Smile, darling. He's looking right at us. What? Oh. oh. Uh, would you let us through, please? Yeah, excuse us. Oh, thank you. Thank sorry. you. Uh, right here, darling. Right here. Well, here he is, Mr. Ballinger, my stray lamb. Dear, you remember Mr. Ballinger? Hello, Larkin. Yes, how are you, Ballinger? Sit down, my boy. I just ordered a round of drinks. Why, how nice. If you'll permit me, I'd like to offer a toast on your anniversary. Uh, one year, isn't it? That's right. Ah, oh, one beautiful year. Yes. Well, we can drink to that, and of course, to your future. May you remain as happy as you are tonight. Right now, Lydia, as you lift your glass and touch it to the others, listen to Ballinger's hollow toast. You realize that this can't go on, that nine more years seem impossible. But it's impossible, too, Lydia, to sacrifice the money, isn't it? The money. The defeat of Uncle Philip on his own ground is uppermost in your mind. All you can think of an hour later as you sit beside Elliot in the car. I hope Mr. Ballinger doesn't think it odd, our leaving so early. I explained to him. I have to drive a friend to the airport. Oh? Johnny Gates? Yeah, he's flying to Seattle on a midnight plane. What I didn't tell Ballinger is that I'm going, too. Your what? Got my ticket, suitcase in the back. Elliot, you can't do this. Why not? Because of what it might mean. Ballinger's suspicious now. What'll he think when he hears you've gone flying off somewhere on our anniversary? Does that matter? Of course it matters. It's got the power to cancel everything. You can't do it, Elliot. Wait a few days at least. I'm sorry. It's my first assignment on the new job. Company expects me to wire them from Seattle in the morning. Why? Why did you agree to such a thing? Maybe I've had all I can stand, Lydia. For half a million dollars, don't be a fool, Elliot. Look, look, I'll do anything you say. I'll stay away from Marty. Anything, Elliot. Just give me a chance. Well, another helping. Huh? What? Same humble pie. Oh, Elliot, please, please be reasonable. Oh, Johnny's expecting me. Lydia, I don't see how I can change things now. I'm supposed to be there. Well, there must be a way, Elliot. You, you'll regret this yourself. I know you will. Well, I wonder. What are you thinking? Maybe Johnny can help us. Come on up with me. We'll talk to him. Uh, 
Maybe I'm a little dumb tonight, Elliot. Give me another rundown on that, will you? Well, now, look, Johnny, it's simple. I'd just like an extra day here, that's all. You're flying north anyway. Couldn't you send that wire for me? To cover you with a company? That's right. Now, you see, that way Lydia and I can be together on our anniversary, and I'll be up there in a day or two. Well, I don't suppose there'll be much doing over the holiday anyway. Oh, not a thing. It's just that I don't want to beg off on my first assignment. No, that wouldn't be so good. Okay, pal, I'll handle it. Oh, I swear. Johnny, I appreciate this, too. Ah, forget it. Elliot's done plenty for me. Oh, Johnny, there's, there's one more thing. I don't like the idea of turning in my plane ticket. You know, just in case the company should check. Oh, I don't think they well, will. Well, I'd rather not take a chance. Now, look, if it doesn't matter to you, you're, you're leaving the company anyway, couldn't you turn yours back and go in my place all the way through? Well, if you'll feel safer. Well, Johnny, I really would. Okay, let's have it. Say, uh, I'll even check into your hotel for you. Oh, huh? fine. Uh, we better get going. Yeah, right away. Well, I'll finish packing. Be with you in a minute. Satisfied, Lydia? Perfectly. Look, hmm? as long as we're going to make it look good to Ballinger... Maybe we can go the whole hog. Mm, how do you mean? Well, after we drop Johnny at the airport, how about driving up to Silver Lake Lodge? Wonderful. Remember the first time we were there? A brand new year, a brand new life. I remember it perfectly, Elliot. I'd love to go. I think it's exactly what Mr. Ballinger would like. Well, Lydia, for the moment you've won. But the worry of the future is on your mind, driving down to the airport and watching Johnny Gates off on Flight 27. And all the way up to Silver Lake Lodge, you wonder about those nine long years ahead. It isn't going to be easy, Lydia, but somehow you're determined to make Elliot continue to see it your way. A few miles below the lodge, you ask him to stop at a roadside store. Sounds like they're having quite a time down in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, I just want to get some cigarettes, Elliot. I'll be right back. Take your time. Yes, ma'am. A pack of cigarettes, please. Take your pick. Oh, these will do. Here you are. Yeah, thanks. A brief announcement, then back to the New Year's Round the Town celebration. Flight 27 of Peerless Airlines, northbound for Seattle, crashed and burned in an unexplained accident one hour ago. All on board were killed. That news comes suddenly, doesn't it, Lydia? The answer to everything. To Elliot, the money, everything. Yes, Lydia, Elliot was on that plane, even if it was in name only. At this very moment, as he waits for you in the car outside, he's officially dead, certainly unidentifiable. And the words of Uncle Philip's will keep running through your mind. If at any time, either Lydia or Elliot Larkin die, the entire sum is payable immediately to the survivor. You know how simple it can be now, Lydia. Yes, as you close the door behind you, walk through the bracing mountain air to the car, you realize that here is the opportunity of a lifetime. Freedom from Elliot and all of the $500,000 for yourself. And looking at Elliot relaxed, waiting for you, you know you're going to kill him tonight. Sorry to keep you waiting. Oh, it's all right. Uh, just as I went into the store, there was some sort of news flash on the radio. You hear it? News flash? No, some other station, probably. Yes, I thought so. Hey, hey, I was enjoying that. New Year's Eve in New Orleans. Please, I'd like it quiet. We'll be up at the cabin in a few minutes. Right now, I want to think. Of 
course you want to think, Lydia, of the loaded target pistol in the gun case at the cabin, of how lonely it is there, of how easy it'll be to dispose of Elliot's body in that wilderness. Less than an hour later, you're at the cabin, ready to put your plan in operation. The pistol is just beneath your hand, stuck between the sofa cushions as you sit before the fire Elliot has built for the occasion. You steady your nerves and... Elliot? Just a minute, dear. I'm fixing the drink. Hurry it up, will you? You're tense now, bracing yourself. You'll wait until he's moved around and is standing right in front of you, holding the drinks on the tray. That way, it can't go wrong. Around this way, darling. Right near the fire. of Lydia Winters Larkin ended in murder on a New Year's Eve at a place called Silver Lake Lodge where she and her husband Elliot had spent their honeymoon just a year before. There's a complete record now in the files of the Homicide Division. A record of a detective's curiosity over the crash of a northbound airplane and the supposed death of a passenger named Elliot Larkin. Of an investigation that led to a quick arrest and a complete confession. At police headquarters, Mr. Ballinger, the attorney, was remarkably philosophical as the lieutenant read the whole amazing story from a hurriedly prepared transcript of the confession. I can't say that I'm surprised, Lieutenant. I was afraid from the beginning that Philip's will would lead to something like that. Yes, the will, of course, gives us a solid motive. Although we already figured we'd find something like that. Oh, uh, there's one more paragraph to the confession. You want to hear it? Yes, read on, please. Well, it goes on to say, uh... Once I knew that Johnny Gates was on that northbound plane traveling as Elliot Larkin, the way seemed perfectly clear. As soon as we got to the cabin, I got hold of a gun and waited for my opportunity. The first chance I had, I pulled the trigger twice without any warning, and it was all over. And then there's the signature, of course. The only thing I don't understand, Lieutenant, is how you were able to make the arrest so quickly. A good hunch on the part of one of the boys. You see, when he found out that Larkin was due up in Seattle on that new job... He flew up there as a matter of routine. Well, after that, of course, the arrest was over. Oh, they're bringing in the prisoner now. How you ever expect to get by with this, Larkin? That matter now? Johnny Gates traveling in my name, I thought I had a perfect alibi. So I killed him. And until our man walked in on you in Seattle, you still didn't know that your alibi had blown up in that plane. Yeah. Funny thing, too. At night in the car, Liddy asked me if I'd heard a news flash. It must have been about that plane. I wonder why she didn't tell me. Featured in tonight's story were Betty Lou Gerson and Gerald Moore. Whistler was produced by George W. Allen with story by Joel Malone and Harold Swanton and music by Wilbur Hatch. You are listening to Reimagined Radio, and we're sharing stories with a New Year's theme. I'm John Barber, producer and host. 
You just heard The First Year, a 1947 episode from the very popular mystery anthology program, The Whistler. The second half of our program will continue after these words from our sponsors. Community Radio Like This is brought to you by the generous support by our founding sponsors at ADCO Commercial Printing and Graphics. Clark County's local print shop since 1993, ADCO features stationery, posters, flyers, tickets, business cards, stickers, catalogs, and much more. Print on anything and mail anywhere. Learn more at adco1.com. That's A-D-C-O, the number one, dot com. KXRW would like to thank New Amsterdam for their ongoing support of our radio community. New Amsterdam is Vancouver's premier cannabis market for those 21 years of age and over. Visit NewVansterdam.com to view an order from the full online menu, and they now offer in-store, curbside, and touchless pickup to better serve you. New Amsterdam is located in the Heights Shopping Center on the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen Road. Open 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., 365 days a year. More information available at newvansterdam.com. Court-appointed special advocates for children, known as CASA, are volunteers who advocate for the best interest of children who have come into the care of the state as a result of abuse, neglect, or abandonment. You can lend your voice and volunteer with CASA to change a child's story. CASA offers virtual information sessions and training. If interested, now is the time to get involved with CASA and make a lasting difference in the lives of children and families in the foster care system. Clark County CASA is a program of the YWCA Clark County. More information available at casaclarkcounty.org. Welcome back to Reimagined Radio. I'm John Barber, producer and host. We have already heard The First Year, an episode of The Whistler. This second story is Guy Lombardo's New Year's Eve party. Guy Lombardo and the Royal Canadians were synonymous with New Year's Eve celebrations broadcast nationwide on radio from 1929 to 1976. Let's go now to New York City where Guy Lombardo and the Royal Canadians are performing live in the grill room of the Roosevelt Hotel. It's almost midnight, December 31st, 1957. Time to ring in the new year on Reimagined Radio. Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians, direct from the world-famous grill room of the Roosevelt Hotel, at 45th Street and Madison Avenue here in New York City. And now, here is Mr. New Year's Eve himself, Guy Lombardo. Thank you, George Bryan, and ladies and gentlemen, it's certainly wonderful having you all here to help celebrate New Year's Eve at the Roosevelt Grill. Now, we're going to start with a great New Year's Eve song of the early 30s, Top Hats, White Tie, and Tails.
tying up my white tie, brushing off my tail. I'm dooting up my shirt front, putting in the shirt studs, polishing my nails. I'm stepping out, my dear, to breathe an atmosphere that barely reeks with class. And I trust that you'll excuse my dust if I step on the gas, for I'll be there. Putting down my top hat, mussing up my white side, dancing in my tail. You know, in 1934, a great New Year's Eve tune that everyone danced to right here in the Roosevelt Grill was the Continental. more music of yesterday. The music goes round and round.
another big hit became a big hit overnight. All the things you are. That New Year's Eve, a song that was to become a great Dixie Long song came into being. And here's our arrangement of South Rampart Street on Parade.
going to do a number now was very popular in 1942, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree. You know, something new has been added to our New Year's Eve party here at the Roosevelt Grill. This year we have three very charming and talented young ladies. They're prep recording stars. I know you're going to enjoy them. And here are the three petticoats. Come, girls.
just been a having some fun. Carmen here wrote a song in 48 that was the big song that New Year's Eve. Here's Carmen's song, How to Your Face with Sunshine. Back in 1951, we had a big hit, the Tennessee Wall.
sing with my darling to the Tennessee walls when an old friend I happen to see introduced him to my loved one and while they were waltzing my friend stole my sweetheart from me I remember the night and the Tennessee walls now I know just how much I have lost yes I lost my little darling the night they were playing the beautiful Tennessee Walls. Now here's a song with a real New Year's Eve flavor. It started in New Orleans years ago, and of course it's one of my favorites. And here is when the saints go marching in.
And those letters, 1958, those figures came on slightly before the globe had touched the roof. The New Year is here, and those numbers are blazing forth on all four sides of the New York Times building. The building here in Times Square. The old year has died, and the great annual blessed event has happened. A new year has been born. Firecrackers exploding in the crowd now, but they don't care. A very happy scene, as well as a tumultuous one. So now it's time for us to say it's Happy New Year in Times Square, and so back to the dance. Happy New Year, everybody. A very happy New Year, especially from all of us and especially from Claro, the first name in hair color. We hope you have a wonderfully happy and prosperous 1958. You just heard The First Year, the December 31st, 1947 episode of The Whistler and Guy Lombardo's New Year's Eve party from 1957. This is John Barber, host of Reimagine Radio. I'll be back with some concluding remarks after these words from our sponsors. KXRW would like to thank New Amsterdam for their ongoing support of our radio community. New Amsterdam is Vancouver's premier cannabis market for those 21 years of age and over. Visit NewVanstradam.com to view an order from the full online menu, and they now offer in-store, curbside, and touchless pickup to better serve you. New Amsterdam is located in the Heights Shopping Center on the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen Road. Open 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., 365 days a year. More information available at newvanstradam.com. Community radio like this is brought to you by the generous support by our founding sponsors at ADCO Commercial Printing and Graphics, Clark County's local print shop since 1993. ADCO features stationery, posters, flyers, tickets, business cards, stickers, catalogs, and much more. Print on anything and mail anywhere. Learn more at adco1.com. That's A-D-C-O, the number one, dot com. In addition to these sponsors, many people support programming like Reimagined Radio with their contributions. Thank you so much. If you would like to support our efforts, please visit KXRWFM and engage with the donate button. Thanks to the following for their help realizing this episode. Sound design by John Barber. Post-production by Martin John Gallagher. Social media by Regina Carroll. Social media management and photography. Promotional graphics by Holly Slocum. For more information about Reimagined Radio, please visit reimaginedradio.net. That's Reimagined Radio, all one word, no punctuation, dot net. This is John Barber, producer and host of Reimagined Radio. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and will join us again. Until then, go well, stay healthy, and best wishes for the new year. Don't forget your old acquaintances and keep hope alive.
You're tuned into Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is all things horror on Tuesday Terrors. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day. Or find Tuesday Terrors in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.